Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting Podcast. Visit our website at www.oalaig.org where you'll find over four speaker feeds with over 400 speaker files, links for you to subscribe to the podcast, and a place where you can donate to keep this special service active. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Alan. Hi, uh, my name is Alan. I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi, Hi uh, thanks for the, asking me to speak. I always say yes when I've been, whenever I'm asked to speak, and I've been asked four times in the last two weeks, which is very uh, more people on this side than on this side. It's kind of weird. Um, <laughs> very nervous. It's very. Uh, it's very intense. I just want to ask, you know, I, I, my prayer lately has been that God help me be of service. And I was praying while I was sitting here, you know, and I've been, I, I, that is my prayer as I go into my, my, the beginning of my day and as I go into any activity I take on during the day. Because I'm very willful and I'm very self-aggrandizing uh, and deprecating at the same time. And uh, so, you know, I just need to be of service to others. And so I hope if I say something comprehensible or intelligent or helpful that it's not me, it's God. So I'm going to try to help myself by speaking from my heart about what this program has saved my life. About what this program is because this program has saved my life. So uh, I'll just talk numbers to start with because numbers have been, I've been on, my brain has been filled with the numbers Lately, I don't know why that, that happens to me over periods of time. But so I came into the program in '03, and I got um, abstinent in 2008, around the time of my mother's funeral. <coughs> Actually, around exactly at the day of her funeral, when they ordered all these, uh, I ordered all these uh, platters of fish. That's what Jews do. You have to have food at the funeral at the afterwards when people come back to your house. Uh, my sister and brother came in from other parts of the country, and I had platters of smoked fish and bagels, many, many bagels. Uh, and I, you know, decided I had a choice to either sit next to that fish and bagels and just eat them, um, which I love, or I could actually try to uh, experience the day of, you know, my mother uh, is dead, and uh, my brother and sister are here, and all these people are here. And, and so I made a choice that day to experience the day and then one day rolled into another day, and then all of a sudden I realized, oh, so this must be an actual abstinence that I'm working on. Um, and and uh, I, I've lost uh, 70 pounds over the last uh, whatever it is, and I've been fluctuating, and this again, the numbers, you know, the fluctuating between 205 and 215. I started around 280. I'm not good with math, so. but I do know what the numbers are. And I don't know why, but those numbers are flying through my brain lately um, that, I, that I want them to, I want to weigh less. Uh, I, I've been married for 40 years. My wife is magnificent. I, I love her. She loves me. She doesn't even, like, I'll shave my beard. She doesn't even notice. I get heavy and thin. She doesn't notice. I mean, I, or she claims that. I don't think she does. I, she's very... Um, spiritual person and, and she deals with what is rather than what she sees it's quite extraordinary and I have two grown sons and two grandchildren and I have a career and my life is good I do a lot of things but no contentment no serenity no um, that's what drove me into these rooms 
was all that outside stuff, all the, you know, it's the, you know, all the stuff of accolades and, ooh, wow, ooh, hey. And inside I'm like, what a, I'm an old, fat, bald piece of shit. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, uh, uh, and, and that was one of the tapes in my brain. I'm an old, fat, bald, you know. And um, you may now fill in the rest of that. Uh, and, and that was, you know, even when I was younger, I already had that, that, that tape. And it was kind of like a joke tape um, that I would repeat over and over and over. And I realized it's so mean. If I had a friend who said to me about them, himself or herself, that I'm an old fat, whatever, piece of... I would say, what? No, come on. I mean, wouldn't we... I, I would do that to a friend. Would, come on. Look at this and look at that and you're magnificent. Look how kind you are. And look how generous and... But for myself, I had no kindness for myself at all. And... Um, and this program had helped, helped me. I had a therapist years ago who said, Serenity? Alan? I don't know. Calmer? Can probably get you calmer. <laughs> well, that's a step towards serenity, such as it is. Um, and without this program, I would be dead. Because, you know, I've heard all these aphorisms, all these uh, phrases that this room, these rooms have taught me that I just love because they're quick, they're right. You know, take it easy, one day at a time, one step at a time. Progress, not perfection. It's an inside job. It's so helpful because it, it's a touchstone for me. It reminds me that it's a spiritual pro- process. It's a spiritual program. It's what's happening inside of me. For me, God is that still small voice that if I could just shut up and stop this committee chattering at me, uh, the monkey mind, and there's a whole group of them chattering and swinging around inside my brain. Um, if I could just be still for a moment, I could hear maybe something that's true deeply true I'm deeply scared of dying I have not as scared as I used to be when I was little I was little I would sit up and it would be like this cold dark like a knife through me like that the the end Um, and and I would eat and I would you know anesthetize some of that fear Um, and I remember my, my son my younger son who's now a grown man uh, would say to me, son, but you won't know. You're dead. What's the deal? <laughs> I'd say, uh, <laughs> you're right, honey. You're right. Uh, what, do, what do you know? You're, what do you know? What do you know? Um, but, the, you know, the fear that drives me. You know, I was talking about my mother. Uh, I said this at a meeting one time. I never in my life felt comfort from my mom. Look, I'm 61 years old. None of this is going to be my mother's fault anymore, if it ever was. You know what I mean? We're all just people. She did her best. She had a horrible life. I mean, the trappings were excellent, but her childhood was a disaster. Um, so she did the best she could, but there was no warm comfort. Uh, there was protection. I used to call it the Batmobile. Um, you know what I mean? If there was a problem, boom, she'd rush in, you know. But there's no warm, like people talk about, you know, I watch my, my wife pick up when our sons were little, and I watch my daughter-in-law pick up my grandchildren. And, and that warm, that, that thing that we all want, that, that uh, enveloping and that loving cuddle, 
I don't remember that ever in a metaphorical or in a literal sense, obviously. But um, but you know what? For me, <laughs> you know, I, 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 I was fine in terms of you know if that's the biggest emotional hurdle that I had to face. I mean, that was my life. But I remember food was always my very best friend. So what was it like? Uh, it was just really so chaotic and bizarre. I remember I was an overeater from the time I was very, very little. Very little. Love food. Love. I still love food. And I don't want this program to make me not love food. I love food. I love to look at it. I like the pictures. You go to a Japanese restaurant. They're, Ooh, look what the rolls look like. Ooh. Now, I won't order all of them look like I used to. You know, um, but I love food. And and a friend of mine said years ago, and it's before I was in program, we were somewhere. I was um, traveling uh, for work, and and uh, we were went to a restaurant, and I was ordering, and I was smiling, and he said to me, "Yeah, you can always count on food. It'll never let you down, right? It's like your best friend." And I was like, uh, But it's it was true. You know, it was true. I remember as a child, um, just it was so easy. And it was also the one time where, as a family, we would get together and have dessert. We'd bring trays up to my parents' bedroom, ice cream, dessert, and we'd all sit down together. And that was like a, that was, that was the warmth. That was that thing. That was as close to that comfort as I had in my, in my you know, in my childhood. There was food. And it's pretty simple food, right? I mean, you don't have to talk to it or have a relationship. It's like internet, you know. It's, you know, it's just... You know what I mean. Um, but it's... Uh, and, and as a child, it was very important in my family growing up, presentation. What will the neighbors think? What, how, do you, uh, how do you present yourself? You know, my parents were... My, my mother was really immigrant. I mean, you know, um, they're first generation. They were born here. But, but, you know, nothing. Poverty. I mean, like, dirt poor, like... Um, nothing. And, uh, and you know, I was brought up in a very upper middle class household in a gorgeous neighborhood, which I went back for my 40th high school reunion a few years ago. I went, whoa, it's even more privileged than I remember. This is like, oh my God, this is terrifying. The lawns are so manicured, I want to throw up. I mean, it was like, where do you, it was, anyway, that's my reaction. Um, but the presentation was very important, and I remember you know, uh, you had to look a certain way and dress, and my mother was always embarrassed by how, you know, how fat I was, and, and it just, it just did not right, and we had to go shopping twice a year, and we'd buy new wardrobes, and, it, and the size was never right, you know, and I had to go in the back, I said this at, the, at another meeting just recently, I went to the back of the room with a husky department, uh, with men, you're not old enough to remember, now they just have it all out, and, it's all good, but there's a husky department, which was like, you know, you had to go through the clothes, you know, like in the back, like in the cave, come to the husky department, you know, it was, and, and, you know, it was, uh, it was, a hum- it was humiliating, it was a humiliation, it was like, oh, mm-hmm, husky, uh, well, we can sew these two pants together and wrap it around one leg, <laughs> And, you know, I was the first to make the joke. I'm, I'm fast. I'm glib. That's my thing. You know, I le- Aikido. I learned that early on. I'm funny. You know, I, and I learned to be funny and clever because I don't want you to hurt me. Um, and um, it works to some extent. And to another extent, it doesn't really. And it keeps you away from people. Um, and I remember, oh God, I, uh, 
I won't do too much of this because it was like that for all of us. I mean, we all have stories about the disaster. And, uh, but I remember my brother uh, convinced my parents to send him to the Virgin Islands. I'm from Long Island, from New York. Uh, my, my brother convinced my parents to send him to the Virgin Islands on a vacation. He was in college and I was not. I was in, uh, I don't remember, ninth grade or something. But he was too fat to go uh, and be in a bathing suit. And I was thin at that time in my life. And I remember standing on my parents' bed trying on all the clothes that I had. I said, look how thin I look. Maybe I should go to the Virgin Islands. So this is an amazing this memory that I have. And my parents said, yes. And then they would compare me to him. See, he should go. Because he looks like he could, he could... Really? I mean, what is that? That is just twisted, right? That's twisted. I mean, it's not like, you know... Uh, Abu Ghraib twisted, you know, but, but it's, it's, it's twisted. It's, it's, it's little passive-aggressive moments of humiliation. They're all through my childhood. Um, when I was young, my father was an, orth- was an orthodontist. He's still alive. He's 95. He's very funny. And since my mother died, he, he talks a lot. He had a non-speaking role in his own life. Um, I'm serious. I mean, I remember my, my brother and I turning around saying, who is this guy? And he's telling stories. I'm like, dude, really? I mean, I mean I'm mean, i 61. He's 95. It's like, I've never heard these stories. He's like, oh, yeah, I thought I told you. I never heard them. He had no time to talk, but uh, he was not really allowed to talk. But, um, but he was an orthodox with a, with a script, you know, a prescription. Which is dangerous, those things. And, um, and he gave me Ambar when I was young, which is an amphetamine-barbiturate combination. And I would take two in the morning. I think I told this at another meeting earlier. Anyway, two in the morning and one at lunch. And I was uh, 12 or something. And, uh, you know, it was cold. I grew up in New York. So I had to wear a, sweat, a T-shirt, a shirt, a sweater, and a jacket. And, at, you know, by nine, I'm, like, pouring sweat because I'm speeding my brains out. You know, and then the, the barbiturate kicks in later on because it's a combination pill. Uh, and then you get like kind of, and I, I, you know, I was just flying all over on this roller coaster. And and a few years later, a friend of mine said, "Oh, dude, it's speed. It's easy. You smoke a smoke a joint later in the day. Takes the edge right off. Excellent." So now I'm in the chemistry experiment of my part of my life. <laughs> like, you know, flour, sugar, salt, speed, you know. <laughs> ah, wow! Wait, slow down. Oh, oh, oh good. Oh. And so, <laughs> you know, and, uh, I, and I, uh, I, I had a lot of drugs. I love drugs. Oh, my God, I love drugs. But I'm trying to keep it, uh, it's related to my food. Um, because, uh, because my father gave me this Escatrol, which is a time-release spanchel, uh, which if you poke the hole in it, it releases it more quickly. Uh, and I would save it up and then give it out during uh, finals. Because what's the point of getting high by yourself? Um, right? And I would give it out to people. And we'd just speed our brains out all during finals and writing and then I'd smoke you know a bunch of weed and then I would eat then I would go by myself and eat for three or four hours and then have another sort of crash and another coma it is kind of like a coma it's weird um yeah, I mean, I laugh about it. It's funny because it's funny. It was funny, you know. And I'm alive, and 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 there's a kind of Dionysian appetite uh, that I really uh, like. 
and that I really sort of celebrate, but I just don't want it to kill me. And I think that's a trick. Because, you know, Mardi Gras is just for a week. <laughs> you know, you can't spend that out for three months. Because then you're a drug addict, or an alcoholic, or an overeater, or all of them put together, and eventually you die. And then about drugs and alcohol, so I got into the program, where am I? Oh, God help me. Um, so, you know, so I went around and did that. I've been on all these diets, every diet in the history of the world. I mean, every diet in the history of the world. Uh, you know, and I've lost it. Where are you going? You're going to bring a note back? You're going to bring a note? A hall monitor? I'm not paranoid. Just because that doesn't mean she is out to get me. She's going to... Um, anyway, I'm sorry. I'm so twisted. Um... I've lost and gained hundreds of pounds, and I was I was uh, um, uh, pride myself that if I could get that click, getting that groove, that that track, I could drop weight quickly. And I did that. Gain a lot of weight and then drop a lot of weight. Gain a lot of weight and drop a lot of weight. And then at a certain point, I guess around 50. My body just said, no, no, you can't do that anymore. <laughs> no, and my heart was like, what are you doing? Because um, it's really unbearably dangerous. Um, and um, I, I, uh, my son is a recovering heroin and, uh, and crack addict. And he brought us into this universe of 12 steps. And now I regard tattoos and young people and middle-aged people and older people all differently when I see tattooing and piercing and it's either oh so you're either a recovering drug addict or you just got out of prison or you're just like young and you like to tattoo I don't you know, it's a generational split for me um, but it's really was interesting and, and we went to family therapy we went to lots of therapy when we went into this 12-step universe I was terrified and embarrassed uh, and terrified that my son was going to die. And we were sitting at the uh, family therapist. I had a therapist. My wife had a therapist. Our son had a therapist. We had a family therapist. We did whatever we were told. It was the first time I was... Uh, part of my work, as the work that I do, is I do what I'm told. Um, so I understand how to take direction. And, and then argue about it later. But take direction and do it, and then you can argue later. But try it. So I understand that. So we were given all this direction. We're sitting at a family therapy meeting, and, and the therapist turns to me and says, well, what about you? What are you going to do? And I was like, me? He's a heroin addict. What have I got to do with that? I'm eating donuts. I've got like a box. I mean, I wish I, mean, I, wish I scripted this, but I have a box. And I mean, Krispy Kreme. We're talking like, you know, double Ben and Jerry's. You know, one of the guys has a taste bud issue. I don't know if you know this about Ben and Jerry. And so he doesn't taste, uh, so he, it's double butter fat and double sugar because his taste buds are not as attuned. That's why it's so fabulous. Um, <laughs> I, I was in New York. On, I was working in New York, and I did an experiment. What would happen if you ate two pints of Ben and Jerry's ice cream every night for eight months? And it turns out you gain an enormous amount of weight. So I've done that research for you. I was funded uh, by Ben & Jerry's uh, Foundation for the year that I was gone. It was a very interesting experiment. Um, no, I mean, literally, I ate a, two pints on the way home every night, Chunky Monkey and Cherry Garcia. 
Uh, and um, I'm consistent, if nothing else. So I'm sitting there, and I say, I'm eating these donuts, and, and I say to the therapist, I said, well, maybe I have an issue with, maybe I have an issue with food. I don't know. And my son bursts out laughing. Um, but not, you know, not in a kind of nasty way, just in that spectacular, he has this magnificent laugh, which is like, oh, welcome to reality. And I, I mean, I, you know, this was only, I don't know, 11, 12 years ago. I mean, I know, I get it. Yes, I have a hole that can't be filled. And then he's got it's an inside job. I need God in my life to fill my hole. It fills this hole. You I, don't, I don't know. I mean, I was, uh, you know, I've got an edge of, you know, I'm from, I'm from Long Island, you know, and uh, the, my wife, she's, I said, anyway. Um, so we, I, I started going to these meetings. And I went to uh, 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 what used to be a sister program, which is not any longer, I was told, on Tuesday. And it was just so rigid. And I was like, you know, no, I can't do it. It's too rigid. It's too much. Am I done? Should I shut up? It's freezing. I'm freezing all of a sudden. Um, uh, it was too rigid. Anything that's rigid says you have to do this, I rebel immediately. So I ran away. That showed him. And uh, went to another expensive food plant. And all the food plants are fantastic. I mean, I, and I want to say that because my food plan... So anyway, so I, I did that and, and um, eventually I, I crawled back into the rooms in 2003. And it took me five years to, to put together an actual abstinence. And I had my early sponsors. I, I tore my... Uh, I had my early sponsor who was like a kumbaya. Oh, it's beautiful. You know, I love you. You're fine. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> I love you, too, but I need actual direction. <laughs> I need... I need boundaries. I, you know, my friends in New York used to call me dancing indiscreet. I have no discretion. I have no... I have no sense of boundaries. I don't know how to form a... I need a boundary. Uh, and I went through met several sponsors, many of whom were wonderful. One, one early sponsor said, just remember, when you read the tools, thinking is not one of the tools. <laughs> and that really helped me, because, boy, when I get up in here and I rationalize and figure out, I was really rewarded as a child uh, for figuring things out and knowing how it works. Um, and that really avails me nothing. Um, Thinking is not one of the tools, but it was a good thing to hear because I remember it to this day. And, and thank you. And then uh, I tore my Achilles tendon, and I was uh, laid up in my house for uh, months. And I thought, this is it. I've been crouching around. I found an abstinence. It took me years to, to separate abstinence from food plan. Because I thought, if I'm, if I'm calling myself abstinent, but I'm not strict on my food plan, then I'm lying. But then I realized, well, my abstinence is basically no binging and three meals a day. And my food plan changes because I've got to have some leeway in my life. Otherwise, I run screaming to the donut or the burritos or something carby. I'm a carby guy and oily carby bread and mayonnaise. Bread, mayonnaise, and salsa. Uh, and... Um, so my food plan keeps changing, but, uh, but I put together 30 days and 60 days, and I put together a year and several years, and I had several years of abstinence. And my food plan was wildly running, and I just needed to lose weight because I was going to die 
or become diabetic. And I said, oh, you're pre-diabetic. And my doctor said, no, you know, that's like you're a little pregnant. You're diabetic or you're not diabetic. Your body, your, your, the insulin, now you, it may not be, may be reversible. That is to say, your pancreas may not have given up. And it may still, it may not have become insulin resistant. But, but I was, my liver and my pancreas, it, they were just in trouble. And all the numbers said it. And I was like, God, so mad at myself, which is helpful. And um, I'm being ironic, of course. It's not. I mean, to learn to love myself first. To let the rooms, the people in the rooms love me before I could love myself. If I could love myself as much as my wife loves me or my children love me, um, or the people, or my friends in this room, the families in, in this fellowship, uh, love me. It, it took me years, and I still am touch and go with that. Um, and I, f- I found a food plan that I was willing to stay on, and, and I dropped the weight very quickly. And I've been playing with these 10 pounds for the last year between 205 and 250, and I'd like to get down to 190. Those are the numbers that are. I'm 510. I'm 5'8 and a half. I said I'm 5'10. And my, my son, my older son, said, No, you're not. You, you're really not. So I'm 5'11, and you're much shorter than I am. I said, Okay, so now I don't lie about it. Uh, and I don't lie about my sizes. Part of my. Part of what I do, I have to uh, know what my sizes are, my measurements. And I, I know. And then now I'm sort of confused because I'm in between. Um, and, and people who, uh, who, who, who take that information and create, create clothing for you don't really care what your sizes are. They just want to solve their problem, which is getting clothes that fit you. So if you lie to them, they don't, it doesn't endear you. And in general, lying really doesn't endear you. <laughs> well, sometimes I thought it does. Right? I would lie sometimes because I thought it would. And then I, it would screw me up because then I would forget, you know, which lie did I tell? That's a, a book that uh, it's very good. Anyway, so I tore my clothes tendon and I'm wheeling around in my house on this chair that gets me all around my house and I can't walk and I can't exercise and I, and I thought I'll be 750 pounds in, in, in oh no in front of I said you can't gain that much weight oh really okay here we go because that to me is a challenge <laughs> you know I mean I'm, I'm, I, it sounds glib but I'm being serious that's a challenge for you can, oh it's too sweet it's too rich who could eat that whole dessert really too sweet too rich this is like this is this is this is Greek. My, my daughter-in-law is Greek, so you know, um, kind of spare it to everyone. But I mean, I, I don't, I don't get it. Um, so I, I went on this food plan, and it's small amounts of food. It turns out if you eat small amounts of food, you lose weight. Now I was so high when that memo came to my house that I don't remember reading it. So whatever food plan I, I use, it has to include small portions. And honestly, you could exercise from now till Shavuos, which is a Gaelic holiday. And you won't lose weight. Because to burn 3,500 calories, which is one pound of fat, you have to be in the gym for many, 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 many hours doing very vigorous exercise. Uh, it's good for your body, for your cardio, for your... Um, so now I'm staying with my food plan a little bit. I, I you know... I, I stay on it most of the time. I'm going to New York on Monday. I have reservations at two wonderful restaurants. But that's not a red light. That's not a green light for, well, as I get to the airport, I might as well pick up $65 worth of X. 
you know, usually it has to do with pastries and candies and bags of stuff that you can eat. Because to me, as to most of us, a, a serving is a bag. <laughs> That's right. That's a bag of whatever. That's a serving. You can't close the but you get a little clip. <laughs> yeah, I, you roll the top and put a clip on. Oh, it got stale. We might as well eat it. Uh, it's a game. It's a game. It's a game for me. And I don't want to play the games. I'm exhausted from playing the games. And I don't want to die. Because as I said earlier, I am terrified of dying. Um, and, and I'm a little better now because I find some quiet time when... You know, I, I can feel that there is God and that there is something that I'm part of that's more than me. God, I hope so. Um, but I don't want to die because of what I've done. I don't want to kill myself. You know, what I've heard in the rooms also is alcohol and drugs are like a tornado. They rip your house to pieces. And overeating is like termites. And it destroys your house, but it's just slower. And you don't sort of notice it. You know, all of a sudden, slowly, oh, you're diabetic. How did that happen? I don't know. I don't. I really don't. I don't know how. I, because because the, the ha- and it's a habit. You know, when I started coming to these rooms, a friend of mine said, it's like brainwashing. I said, well, my brain could use a little washing. Because right now, food is my higher power. And fear is my was my higher power. So if it takes me a while to... Act as if. That's part of my training, too. I know how to act as if. I understand the magic if. If I were uh, a thin person, how might I eat? If I were to love myself, how might I behave? If I were to believe in God, because I was raised, you know, with a God of punishment. And how about this Pope, huh? That the, the God is not a punishing God. That's a sort of Messiah. Right? Um, uh, I was raised with a punishing God, a God of vengeance. Shalmash's play, God of Vengeance. And that really was like, really? And I believe that there's some more loving, more loving force of, of creation, of light. And that's what I want to go towards. That's what this program has shown me. I, I was a spiritual seeker for many, many years. I lived in San Francisco for a long time, in the 70s and 10 years. And, and it was just, you know, it was the beginning of a real searching for spiritual life. Um, And I've continued that. There was a long period of householding that got in my way. But but, um, this program has taught me a plan of living which has a spiritual component, a physical component, which is my food plan. And... um, I, I realized that if I follow the steps and do what I'm told, there's a chance I can find some serenity and ease and peace in my life. And I just treat people better. Um, I, uh, my, my wife and I uh, have been together a long time, for 40 years. And, and it's taken me a long time, as with my children and their children, to learn to shut up. I don't have to react to everything. Oh, yeah, you know what? Uh, Phil Everly, who died. It's my belief pride is the chief cause of the decline in the numbers of husbands and wives. And my pride, you know, my position of rightness, no one really cares. And it doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter. 
Would you rather be right or would you rather be president? Would you rather be right or would you rather take a breath and just think about it and not re- don't react and maybe respond later out of a loving, kind place uh, and rather than out of an ego, prideful, hurt place? I didn't have any of that before this program. Um, and and I'm, I'm grateful every day for the opportunity to have a plan of getting through the day. I don't know how people without a program, how they manage. Because life is tricky. And it's a cabaret, right? It's a twisted little roller coaster through a lot of dark and a lot of light. And I love the extremes. I love the drama. I I love the, the party of it. But I don't want to be sucked into the hell of it. And so when I'm turned into a dark place and I have a very dark place in my mind um, I just try to remember to breathe and to find God somewhere someone said it in the room the other day um, God doesn't go away I may go away and when I come back God's go, hey what's up welcome back Um, that's right and that God is a more more open minded Um, anyway so thank you for letting me speak and uh, I hope something made sense and was helpful.